Hello and welcome to From the Recruit, brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John, with me is Jason. Good afternoon. And Mike. Good afternoon. And uh, we are in my garden on a Saturday, very bright Saturday afternoon, uh, socially distancing whilst doing a podcast. We spent the last few months doing this via the internet, uh, but we thought, hey, Mike was in Watford for the game. Uh, Jason lives nearby, and so and I live here as well. So we, we started to gather and talk about it. Mike, you were at the game. You were there as part of the job that you do with Opta, uh, their eyes and the inside. Um, what what was it like? Come on. We, we saw it on the television, and actually the crowd noise on the television was brilliant. And it really felt like it was a, a normal game. I didn't really notice that there was no crowd. It didn't feel like a home game to me, because... I wasn't there, but it, it felt like a normal Watford game with a Watford chance and everything. What was it like to be in that ground? Well, I have to be honest and say last night I was excited. It felt like a Friday for the first time in a very, very long time. So we had football the next day, work was done. You could have a beer and sort of park your worries for an evening and know that you had football on the horizon. So I was very grateful for that last night. And then I have to say, walking to Vicarage Road today, it did evaporate a little bit, to be honest. It was very... Very different. And right, uh, what did raise a smile was seeing uh, the statue of GT had a uh, had a mask on it, which I thought was a, a nice touch. Graham Taylor leading the way, as always, showing the way it should be done. But we can't beat around, we can't ignore the fact that it is an extraordinarily different circumstance. Just walking up to Vicarage Road is nowhere, as you'd expect, it just doesn't, didn't come as a surprise to me. But um, you don't get that buzz, you don't get the excitement level. And as, as I was walking in, I was thinking, well, maybe the players are going to feel that as well. It's, it's almost impossible not to, um, not, to, not, to not, not take it seriously. That's not the right word at all. But it's just very, very different. And so much about football is emotion-driven, isn't it? And there's those feelings and adrenaline and all the different emotions and feelings that you get that combine to, to make that footballing day. And it was um, different and not, you know, we didn't, I, didn't, I can't say I enjoyed it initially. Um, what I would say, the ground looks amazing. Obviously, an incredible amount of work's gone into making sure that the ground looks good for TV primarily, but also that it's full of colour for, for the players as well, I think, to try and give them some of that, that home advantage. All credit to, to Watford. There's a lot of logistical issues that need to be done to, to put on a match day. Um, and it's very, very clearly set out. You have to go to a certain point. It's the ticket office to get your accreditation. Before you get your accreditation, you have to fill out a form at health um, questionnaire, and you have your, your temperature done, which was one of the most exciting bits of the day. They do it with like a zappy gun thing. Yeah. I wondered, oh, are they going to get close enough to put something in my ear or under my tongue? No, it's like a, a laser gun thing, which was uh, which was quite exciting. Well, it's not exactly going to be enough time to take all your memories out of your head. That no, well, Star Trek, it wouldn't take no. wouldn't take them long to get rid of my memories. Forty-two year old. Maybe get rid of the bad ones that have come through the 1990s <laughs> yeah, of supporting Watford. So a very, I felt very privileged to be there. As you say, the job for Opta is to make sure that all the data they're getting is, is correct. So fortunate to be there, and um, I recognise that, one of only 300 people to, to be in the ground. So I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but it is very, very different. And I think that's important that we know that as supporters when we look at the games and look about how the players play. The, the bit that really, only moment it stood out for me, I, as I said, the crowd noise was amazing. It all worked really well. It felt like I was watching Watford on the television. That was fairly normal unless you look at the background. Um, but Jason, the, 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 the bit that really came to me is Leicester will walk out as they're meant to do is the away team first, all in the line, and Watford literally came out like they were a Sunday league team in dribs and drabs and over there and Troy shouting back and just all over the place. And it almost felt that led into the first, and we're going to be quite American with this podcast, I think, these water breaks break the game up perfectly into quarters. And it, it literally led into Watford in the first quarter just being a little bit off the pace and not really... 
they weren't able to really get anything going, were they? No, you say about them sort of coming out in dribs and drabs, I sort of half expected them to all sort of line up and start taking pop shots at Foster in goal, you know, proper, <laughs> proper Sunday league warm-up. Their approach, I guess, was very much like mine. I was I was out in the garden, I was gardening right up until kick-off. So I didn't have that ceremony of, of my parents coming down and walking up to the ground with my dad and that sort of build-up to, to the kick-off. I was just sort of straight in in my comfy seat and I guess the, the players felt because the fans were there they had that same approach as well and and i think you're right it did lead to uh perhaps a, a slightly lethargic start to the game no zedgars as well no the first couple of minutes we we had a little bit of a buzz about us but then that very quickly evaporated and leicester seemed to be in control of the game they were the ones creating the chances and there were there were just too many mistakes in the, in yeah. the sort of first 20 minutes yeah. players that you think we'd be relying on especially to Corey I thought just just gave the ball away sort of completely going against his song yeah. <laughs> um, just a couple of times where he just needed to put his foot on the ball and try and something different we didn't look comfortable wanting to keep hold of the ball we were just sort of again to use that sort of Sunday league uh, approach they were sometimes where we were just sort of launching it away from trouble sometimes you do need that but there were times where you think hang on a minute just just a bit of calm get on the ball we didn't want to do that and it just sort of led to us um, conceding a lot of possession to Leicester, that seemed to grow their confidence. I didn't think they were 100% at their no, best today, no. but they got a bit more confidence and that led to them sort of creating probably sort of the best chance in the uh, in the first 20 minutes, but thank God for uh, Craig Dawson getting in the way of Vardy. Yeah, because that's the thing, I think there's a, a point for me with Mike was, it's sort of what I expected. It wasn't surprising that a team or any of the teams didn't come out 100%. Leicester, not 100% themselves. Us, definitely not 100% of ourselves. And it took until the drinks break, into the quarter two, uh, where actually all of a sudden we came out of the blocks and we started playing and it was it was significantly better. Yeah, and I think it's interesting you, you mentioned this, that these things like drinks break, so it's quite odd when you're watching it in the in the ground as well you can probably it's probably less pronounced when you're watching on tv because it doesn't just stop there's people still talking and commentary and they can play replays and stuff it's quite abrupt when it happens in the ground and i think that's something that teams are going to have to get to get used to because i think it was i think it was in the first half and they they had the drinks break and leicester resumed on the attack with a throw in quite i think it was in around the six yard box i think it was the in the first half anyway and i thought well that's a dangerous time to have a break, and that could be a time if people don't switch on to that and people don't get used to that. It's going to be uh, difficult. So there is a lot more to think about, I think, for these for these teams, and perhaps we even we even first considered. But yeah, it, it was difficult for Watford. I thought in in that first half, I thought Leicester, like Jason said, looked far and away the the, the better team as the as the first half wore on, and it was just a case of really getting in at half time. I think the frustrating thing for me was Ismail Assar. It looked like it was going to have good quite a bit of fun against Chilwell. He'll, to be honest, he'll have a he'll have a good run against any uh, any any defender, whichever side they're on, because he's he's just so quick. And I think we were guilty of of not getting him in into the game enough. And perhaps we were looking for those long balls um, to get him away. But it didn't really feel like we were looking to get in. We weren't playing to our strengths. I don't think enough in in that in that first half. It took us a little while to get going, quite quite frankly. And it felt like we were the ones that were going to make a mistake and and let Leicester in, if if anything. When we got to half time, Jason. You know, there were moments and stuff and mistakes from Watford that sort of caused Leicester to have chances. But again, as we said, they didn't sort of take them. Um, we had a couple of chances, but not many. And I don't think at half time I felt like, oh, thank goodness. Or, yeah, thank goodness that's over. It's almost like, okay, that's sort of fair. We, we made some mistakes and it was a bit, a bit rubbish in, in t- places, but that felt like the good place to go. And you hope 
and I told you this is my more ongoing thing with Watford, is you hope when you're not down but you're not on top that you can react. And something happened at half-time in the third quarter of the game. It was the Watford quarter and we, we created plenty of chances. Yeah, um, and, and I actually think that half-time came at a bad time for us mm-hmm. at the time because we actually we finished quite strongly in that first half and we were starting to get on top. Like you say, we were starting to get Saar involved. We saw uh, a lovely sort of pinged ball from Capu yeah. out wide to Saar. We know that he can do and a, and a decent cross into the into the box that, that nearly created something. Yeah, things were starting to happen. We had the Decore chance. But but you say that the, 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 the Capu ball was brilliant the cork the cross was brilliant but there was nobody in the middle and that sort of seemed to be especially in the first half and even a little bit in the second half apart from the Dini header in the, the beginning of the second half that was again this yeah that, that person uh, to hit the person to to make something happen in the box just wasn't wasn't there yeah and I think that when Saar was breaking he didn't have anyone quick uh, enough to keep up with him <laughs> that was a problem when we sort of put the pressure on or when we sort of won that second phase back in and we did have players in the box that, that looked we looked a little bit more dangerous then I wonder if, if Sars quick enough though as just speaking to my dad briefly the other game he is quick enough to get to that byline and like you say Jason I, th- I think he was guilty certainly John you're trying to get us on to the third quarter Jason and I are sticking with the second quarter <laughs> a little bit here I don't mind naughty naughty boys um, he did there was a couple of times when you know he absolutely skinned him got to the byline and it was, it was less a fact that there wasn't a Watford player caught up. They were just too close to Casper to Schmeichel. And I think he's so quick and so good that he has got time. I understand if you get the ball in quicker, you're going to cause more more damage potentially. But you have got time not to necessarily put your foot on the ball, but to take a touch and look up. That's how quick he is. That's how devastating he can be. And I don't. I think that will come with time, perhaps. Um, and it will certainly come as he, uh, with, with match fitness. John, you described it nicely in one of the other earlier pods about that rustiness. That's just not about being physically fit because they all are. It's that match sharpness. And I think they're all looking for that in, uh, in different levels. So just a little bit more composure perhaps from Saar might have seen us ask some, some good questions. But of course, well, I completely forgot to mention it and Jason skirted over it there. But the Decore chance in the, in that first half was a, was a massive one. And perhaps if that's two, three games into this restart, he buries that. And, and he, cause he probably had more space and time than than he thought, and I think he could have taken a touch and picked his spot either side. And as it was, it was it was a, a decent connection, but in terms of directionally, it was it was pretty poor. And it would have been fascinating just to see what would have happened had Watford had gone ahead in that in that first half. And you know, Jamie Vardy throughout, he didn't uh, he wasn't in the game a lot. Strikers like him often aren't, but he just shows you what an absolute handful he is in terms of his pace, and he's strong as well, and he knows how to position his body. And they dealt with him quite well, but it'd be fascinating to see if Watford had scored. They could have then sat a little bit deeper earlier and t- tried to hit Leicester on the on the break. And it would have obviously have, have invited on their, you know, they've got a wealth of attacking talent, haven't they? they? We saw when they brought Gray on in later on in the pitch, jumping to the fourth quarter now. No, well, let's, let's, let's do it. Come on, come on. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not being strict about it. But what was it then? We talked about what the, 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 the slight misfalls. There's the moments where we lacked a little something um, in the first half. When we got into the third quarter, Jason, now we can actually go there. Uh, what was it? What was it for you that we did differently? So there were a couple of things. I mentioned about finishing that, that first half strongly. And I think perhaps Leicester 
it had them caught in two minds as SAR started to cause yeah. trouble maybe they were thinking okay we can't risk having Chilwell too far up the pitch we need to keep him shackled but then I think what we did was trying to get SAR involved a bit more centrally and we saw that early chance in the second half where he's cut inside again I think it was a nice ball from Kapu where he's been played through and he's he's Schmeichel's made a good save um, so it was those two things that I think that for me were the differences particularly Saar playing a more central role that caused so much trouble against Liverpool in the second half I wonder if that's a, a Pearson thing to, to start Saar wide get yeah. him involved more centrally as the game goes on It's interesting you mentioned that because I think someone we haven't mentioned yet who did a lot of work very early and he did look at it from, from the, the first whistle and that was Will Hughes yeah. He really was at 100 miles an hour from, from minute one. He had an interesting sort of running battle, certainly throughout the first half with, with Madison. He was, he was absolutely at him and in his ear. Um, and, and Will Hughes was doing a lot of water carrying, wasn't he, in, in, in that midfield. And I wonder if that, you know, battered them a little bit in the midfield, knowing, you know, sort of just tired Leicester out a little bit and just gave um, them something. They, Leicester knew that he wasn't going to let up at any stage. Um, and therefore, bought perhaps saw that that opportunity to 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 drift inwards a, a little bit it was um it was just fascinating watching those battles and of the people that you can really hear um don't want to go on about me being there but you can really hear what was also noticeable was the subs play a massive impact really really clapping everyone on and cheering and i think it almost felt a bit coordinated at times that they would get behind certain players um and you could hear nigel pearson's instructions uh, and a lot of them were to will hughes and I don't think that was Will Hughes not doing what he was told. I think he was... He well, was a, I think, William! Yes! <laughs> move there! there. Yeah. William! Do no, that! No fortnight for you this evening. <laughs> uh, forget it. Battle pass. Forget it! Um, and there's me talking. Well, anyway, the second, the second podcast in a row we've talked about computer yeah, games. Where, where are we going? Where are we? All over it now. And so he was obviously an integral part of it, just to, just the, the amount that he was being being spoken of so I think he was he was a key performer in that in that in that first half for, for Watford in that midfield sort of not didn't blow a hole in it but did some of the dirty work to allow some of those spaces later on so in the fourth quarter of the game you know yes we'll, we'll talk about the the final five minutes and exactly what five five six minutes uh, and and where all the goals came from Watford clearly were were comfortable enough in, within themselves Leicester were comfortable enough within themselves Nobody was particularly dominant at any point. It seemed to be as things started to flag that, that any big opportunities that near the end of the game near the end of the game turned up. The brave, the bold moment, I suppose, for Nigel Pearson was to make three substitutes at one time. You take a Kapu and uh, Decore. He'd already taken off uh, Bobby P and put on on Welbeck. He took off Kiko uh, and put on Matt. I don't know if it was me because it was three at once and that's a thing that we can do now and it's something we probably haven't been able to do before that it felt weird, it felt bold, it felt the the best thing. Was it the right thing to do, Jason? <laughs> I mean, we can all talk in, in hindsight, can't we? I, the one that did worry me a little was Kiko for maps because that, that signalled an intent to me. That was, right, we got Kiko who's sort of been bombing up the up the wing Let's let's take that. Uh, let's remove that possibility and put in more of a defender on. Let's have someone to sort of keep it tight. Now, is that a signal that we're not looking at going for the win anymore? Are we happy with getting a point against Leicester? Because yeah, we've we've done the hard work now. Fresh legs, keep it tight, keep it solid. Let's take the point. Was it, was it take was it take the point or was it 
let, we are we are, we know our fitness isn't right, let's make these three substitutes just for fitness reasons. And, and, and by doing that, you are sort of taking the draw. Potentially. Uh, but obviously, it's not just about the substitutions, it's the tactics as well. And we did seem to just sit back a bit more and, and drop a little bit deeper. I'd made a call on our WhatsApp group when you asked who should be the first substitution. Yeah. I did say, well, back for Pereira to let's test uh, Justin James um, yeah. a little bit more. He, Welbeck came on, wasn't as involved perhaps as much as we'd like him to and at some point they switched didn't they so yeah, Welbeck yeah. went to the right Saar to the left and that then seemed to take Saar out of the game a yeah. bit as well and that seemed to negate what he was doing and it all just had a bit of a negative impact and not what you'd want from making substitutions yeah we did go very deep and I have to say John I, I think I agree with you my first thought was crikey fitness is a key thing here because the ones that le- leapt out at me I don't think you'd make this as a tactical switch is to take off to Kure and Kapu. At the same time, you know, the absolute engine room. You know, I don't think uh, Kapu had a, had a great game today. I think he, he caught the eye with some of his with, with some of his beautiful passes. You know, he was guilty early of giving the ball away a, a little bit too often. Dekure grew into the game and was very, very solid, I thought. Um, but I don't think, in all things being equal, you'd ever take those both of those guys off at once. From a tactical point of view, it's a it's a very very big move, and I thought, crikey, if he is take if he's making that that move, we are obviously managing fitness and getting people back up to game speed is obviously a really really big thing, perhaps even even bigger than we the, we first anticipated. Because that's a huge move, and we did just for the I don't think their goal came from from us sitting deep. I think we actually dealt with it pretty well and until well strike did come from out of nowhere probably gave him a little bit too much space but there was no indication for the sort of 90 minutes going previous that anyone was going to pull out anything of that sort of quality was it it was a it was a magnificent strike and everyone's a bit bit shocked but I think Watford dealt with that situation quite well and um, the fact that you know Leicester have got a better squad than us certainly with with attacking options you do think crikey they they brought Gray on didn't they and I thought that that upped the ante a little bit and asked more questions and I think they were more better better positioned to ask questions of us than we were to to ask questions of them but that said we didn't really look uncomfortable like you say John at, at any time which was I think pleasing this is one of the best teams in the in the Premier League I think we're all guilty of still when you see Leicester as a fixture you think well you, you, in your mind, you sort of you think of them as a mid-table side. I, I do certainly, which is obviously completely wrong. They did they won the Premier League, for <laughs> sake, and then they, they they made a very very good account of themselves in the Champions League. Yeah. So they can obviously adapt, um, and they're knocking on the door of second. They, I think they will push Manchester City close for for second place. This is a terrific team, um, and they will beat most more more teams than they don't in the, in this run in so I think there's heart to be taken by the way even with those wholesale changes even with protecting our side and perhaps not it did feel you know I think Nigel Pearson is a little bit more pragmatic than, than Gung Ho certainly is he so it, he would have been happy with nil-nil at that point definitely um, but I think there's there's heart to be taken from from how we reacted to those big changes really really big big changes and the reaction Jason the best reaction we saw was going behind on 89 minutes and only, well, maybe only, having five minutes additional time, and I think that comes from all the, the water breaks, but the fact that we reacted and kept going, I think was probably my favourite thing of the entire game, the fact that that is what we can take forward into any game that we play, maybe not Man City, but every game that we play, and, well, who on earth... <laughs> put a bet on an overhead kick from Craig Dawson. I mean, that must be better odds than Leicester winning the league. I mean, what a goal. 
what audacious i think i saw jacob on a on a on twitter call it jacob colshaw you know he said audacious thing to do what a goal great goal channeling is in a craig cup yeah. <laughs> exactly the same spot i think better than by craig old kick <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and we, we absolutely have to talk about Dawson. He's probably, when we looked at the team sheet, for me, he's probably the, the one name that stood out as maybe slightly surprising to be there. Well, the only one, um, that, the only one that has been changed since the And I think the only one changed game, since yeah. the Palace game. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and what were we to expect from him? And I said on the WhatsApp group, before he'd scored, he was my man of the match. He ended up being Steve McManaman's man of the match on BT Sport as well. Well, um, What an accolade to be Steve McManaman's <laughs> man of the match. Because yeah, to be that, yeah, it, with the way he was talking about Watford, was quite a lot, yeah. yeah. And he and he did put in a good performance. We talked about players making mistakes early on. He was the one that was that was being solid and, and reliable and dependable. We saw a mistake from Cabaselli, the fullbacks I thought getting caught out of positions every so often. He was the one. I mean, Vardy hardly got a look in. He no. was he, he never I think once got behind other than the Cabaselli uh, chance. We pretty much had him sort of wrapped up, no problems at all there. And he's almost like uh, his performance. Almost sort of Mariapa like with um, what we've had from Mariapa. We've had good performances from Mariapa in the past couple of seasons. He's been the man who's been there, very good at dealing with crosses in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And it was almost sort of an upgrade on that type of performance. I thought very good dealing with anything that's sort of thrown at him. Nothing stupid. When he did have to get rid, he did get rid, and it's exactly what what you want your central defender to be. And then of course he pops up and gets that equaliser. There was no other uh, no other selection for man of the match for me because he had to, he had to work hard to manoeuvre himself into position to 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 take that shot on. I mean, it was a, it was dropping at an awkward angle. He knew he had one option, one opportunity to to have a dig, and he had to work hard to do it. And then he had to manoeuvre his body to to actually do it. And yeah, I think you know he's still. I think that's the that was the, the signing that we hoped we'd made, wasn't it? That we saw today. He he doesn't look like a, a world beating centre back. I think he does look a little bit tentative sometimes there was one moment where he almost got caught out you know players sometimes um, petulantly kick the when the ball's gone out they kick it out into the stands he looked like he was going to do that then he didn't which allowed Leicester to take a quick throw in he thought of all the things for us to get caught out on one of those but so there are moments like that but I think that's the the same of all potentially Watford defenders at the moment we haven't got any world beating defenders but I thought he was he was brilliant today and and John I, I totally agree with you the way that Watford Stuck at it would have been so easy with the atmosphere like it was. Remember, you can hear a pin drop in the ground apart from apart from the players talking. So no atmosphere, no rookery to to roll them on. It would have been very easy to say, well, you know, Leicester are a decent side. We've been undone by a worldie there. No one can do anything about that. Um, let's let's get in and regroup and and, and on to Burnley. But not not a bit of it. Um, led, I think, by Tom Cleverley, a great great player to come on as a sub. He was playing in a very advanced role, wasn't he? He was almost the farthest forward at some stage, which was interesting. Having got the equaliser, they did get forward a couple of times again, didn't they? There was, what, 120 seconds left, two minutes left. Weird way of saying two minutes, didn't they? <laughs> How <laughs> many uh, months is that? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> there was two minutes to go and they still went forward. I thought, oh, don't get caught here after after getting back into it. The last, the last thing we want to we want to do is throw it away again. But Watford were, were shaping to go again when, when Craig Porson blew the final whistle and there was actually a, a look of disappointment on a few of their faces. They thought they... They might be able to, to nick it. And I think going forward, we've got another game on. It's Thursday, isn't it? Taking the momentum 
out of that is 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 important and the way they didn't feel sorry for themselves with a side that wasn't didn't bear much likeness to the one that started the side and had had been the the week in week week outside you know Holibas coming on with those with that bit able to launch those oh, my favorite bit was right at the end before we scored a goal he was on the side of the pitch on the television like close up of Hol- uh, Jose he'd gone to do a throw he looked he pointed at someone you Babe Ruth did. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, didn't at all, but he's like, yeah, this is going to be the moment. Jose, go on. And that, they all played their part in, in ensuring a, a, a hard-earned but ultimately well-deserved draw. And I think if you are going to draw, get it like that with a bit of momentum at the end where you feel like you've taken the upper hand at the end. Leicester will be fine. You know, they'll go on. They'll be challenging for second. I think they'll qualify for the, the Champions League. They'll be okay with it. But for Watford, who need... We spoke in the, in the weeks leading up to this. The momentum's going to be so important. How you start this, this little sprint, this last nine games, is going to be vital. And they've mucked in together there. Um, there's been glimpses from all of them. They've got minutes in their legs. They understand what it's going to be like. Talked about the drinks breaks. They'll learn to manage that. Nigel Pearson and Craig Shakespeare will have learned from the from the substitutions and and, the, and what happens there. Um, so difficult game. Really, really pleased that they they got something out of it. I do think Watford. We haven't mentioned them, but Watford missed a couple of chances. I mean, Sars won when I think I haven't seen it back, but was, like, was that was that? I mean, there were definitely a few occasions that it was Schmeichel at his yeah I best. Think, I think the Schmeichel save against Sars looked yeah. terrific. It looked One like the ball hand. was almost past yeah. him. Total, you know, if you had to describe a, a, a Schmeichel save, Peter or Casper, that would be it. It's, <laughs> I think I read somewhere they talk volley, they think volleyball about making themselves big, both arms. Very difficult to squeeze the ball past him from from that angle. And Troy Deeney's header, which again I haven't seen back, but it mm. looked like I was talking to my brother just on uh, immediately after the game. And Andy is can can be more pessimistic than me if uh, if if you can believe that. Um, he sort of described it as an open, uh, not an open, a free header, which I thought was being a not bit, a, not bit, a bit no, 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 no. He had, he had several men around him. He got above them. Yeah, it was just past the post. Yeah, um, you know, foot either way, foot the other way. It, it could have gone in. No, he wasn't a, a free free header. Yeah. No. So the way I look at it is two big chances, two or three big chances for Leicester, um, two in quick succession. I think we, it's worth we've talked about Craig Dawson being the hero in in the outfield defensive units, but when he was called upon. Uh, ben Foster again, absolutely to the rescue. He tipped one, got just got his fingertips to the corner, yeah. and then one that came down. He was going the wrong way, and he got down to his left and strong arm, incredible save. Um, so really kept Watford in it there, and um, beating all ends up by the goal, beating all ends up by one that hit the the frame of the goal, yeah. the, the 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 post or the crossbar, and then Decore's chance in the first half, Sars and Dini. So on on balance, three presentable chances each. Um, a hard-earned draw, a well-earned point, and and the right result. And but I, I feel more positive getting the point in the 95th minute. And I, I, I suspect I don't know if it works the same way for the for the team, but you would have thought so. You know, yeah. we we're all sort of in sport in some way, whether it's just a sport, the spectators or whatever. That you come out and think, yeah, well done, lads, and. And that's how I feel. Well done, Liz. A podcast made by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. There's now a few Watford podcasts out there for you to listen to. We hope you stick with us, as many of you have done over the last 10 years. The one that, of course, has been out for a while, uh, and we've always been a massive fan of it, is, of course, Hornet 
Heaven. There's a latest series, a couple of episodes that Ollie Wicken has written and produced. And of course, Colin Mace, part of the FGRE team, he has performed them wonderfully. You get those wherever you get your podcasts. Search for Hornet Heaven or hornetheaven.com. But also, you know who we haven't spoken to for a while? I wonder what he's been doing in lockdown. Arlo. Mike's surname is Parkin. He has a son called Arlo. And this is our feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome back to From the Rookery End. It's Arlo. Arlo, how are you doing? Great. Would have been even better had Watford won today, but you've had a good experience today. You've been... What have you been doing? On TV. You're on TV. You're on BT Sport. You're part of their panel. So congratulations on that. Now, Arlo, if they'd come to you at the end of the game and said, right, we now go to Arlo and we're going to get his summary of the game, what would you have said? How would you have summed up Watford's performance today? I would have put it an average performance for Watford because they did miss, especially Saar. He wasn't on point. He missed quite a few open goals. It's not called those, so it's not really an open goal. But I think that I could have scored those goals, maybe. Blimey, so you've grown in confidence since we last spoke, Arlo. I just want to say well done to Dawson for getting his first goal for Watford. And what a great goal to get his debut goal for Watford. I'm sure Craig will appreciate that message, Arlo. Thank you very much for joining us. Bye-bye, see you next time. My name is Matt Davis-Adams. I present the Athletics Chelsea podcast, Straight Out of Cobham, and I'm a supporter of the two-time European champions, Nottingham Forest. I also host the very excellent Totally Football League show, where every week I'm joined by Swindon Town legend Sam Parkin and Southend stalwart slash journeyman Adrian Clark as we follow this championship season to its conclusion. The Totally Football League show is now part of the Athletics Network of Podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual podcast places. As you know, we're brought to you by The Athletic and you can currently get a 40% discount on subscribing to The Athletic. What does that mean? Well, it's only 2 99 a month or just 10 pence. That's English pence per day. Uh, you can go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end uh, and sign up. And uh, if you sign up there, we look a, look a little bit better. Uh, so that would be fantastic if you can do that. Uh, give it a go. It's an introductory offer uh, that you can, you can take up at this point. So 40% discount. But also us being part of the Athletic means that when we are looking ahead to games which we are going to do now our next game is only a few days away uh, we are going to be facing Burnley on Thursday and as we're not going to have time to go into uh, do another podcast before then we caught up with Andy Jones the Athletics correspondent for Burnley to find out what we might expect and we just want to find out yeah, how how Sean Dyche doing he's certainly doing well the transformation since he's come into the club where they were, you know, middle of the table championship to where they are now and very, very close to securing a, a fifth consecutive Premier League season. The wonders he's done for the club, both, both on and off the field. His ability to, to develop players, but also develop an infrastructure in that team with the, the training ground and the academy, you know, system really, um, which has, has been, you know, revamped and, and there's a lot of emphasis being put on that. And he's basically a huge part of it, the heart of the club, if you like. I think he learned a lot from his experiences at Watford. He started as a youth coach and, and sort of made his way through to assistant manager and, and manager. Um, and he's, he's, he's brought a lot of, you know, those experiences with him to Burnley. And, you know, he's, he's looking towards the, you know, the final nine games and, and sort of the, the idea is to see where they can go um, and, and how high they can finish and how many points they can accumulate. 
Andy, it's not it's not something we're used to as Watford supporters to have a, a, a manager or head coach in in post as long as Sean Dyche has been at Burnley. But are we starting to see a few a few cracks there? We, I mean, we we've been lucky enough to talk to to Sean Dyche a couple of times, so we know he's pretty frank and he he wears his heart on his sleeve. But a few sort of hints that he might not be happy about the the level of investment and stuff like that. And although you know Burnley's still looking at the the right half of the table this year, aren't they? They're 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 pretty comfortable and could make a late late bid for Europe. But we're starting to see that horrible thing where you you get as far as you can go with the manager, do you think? It's a difficult one, uh, I'll be honest. There is that acknowledgement that the Burnley's investment is you know, you know, it's it's not as as much as, you know, managers would necessarily like and, and that's because they, they need to live financially within the means and, and, and run the club properly. The emphasis at the you know, is, is to try and can we start stretching the budgets, I think, a little bit more while still doing it sensibly. That's the challenge now because now Sean Dyche will never, never, will always say they're not a fully established Premier League team, but it's getting to that point now where they, they are and it's what, how can you go and move from, from that point? And you mentioned that you mentioned, obviously Sean Dyche and Watford is a is a link, and I think there's a there's a Watford and Burnley have got a little bit more in common from my point of view. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've been slightly critical of Burnley's approach to the game on occasion. Um, part of me quite quite likes it. I like the 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 the, the fact that Sean Dyche turns Watford around. Um, he he makes them kick off. They know which way Watford want to kick off, and he always if they win the toss, he chooses which way. Little stuff like that 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 Sean Dyche is is very good at. And Burnley are very good at it as well. They, there's a certain way they play, and I think you guys would would hopefully recognise that as well. But I think Watford went through it with in the 80s when we were very very successful with with Graham Taylor. Got accused of being a, a long ball side, and so I see similarities. Burnley made it into Europe. Watford made it into Europe back then, and both teams have been have been criticised. What's it like? What do the fans feel about that about that criticism? Do they do they revel in it, or do they think it's unfair or unjust? Well, I think if I mean. The easiest, the easiest example is if you, if you go on Twitter after a game, um, and sort of scroll through <laughs> opposition fans' views of Burnley, no matter the results, they might have beat them, they might have lost to Burnley, um, but there's usually a lot of fans who aren't, aren't very happy with the way Burnley play or, <laughs> or don't quite agree with it. It's, it's one of those things and, you know, at the end of the day, football's about winning, as, as simple as that, that sounds. And, and Burnley, with the players that they have, they can't go out and buy these expensive players who, expensive players who can, who can make a difference in games. And, you know, a lot of it is based on, on the hard work, the team ethic, the, the workmanlike pressing and, and things like that. So you have to work with what you've got, essentially. And, and Dyche's mould of the team with the players that he's got, which, which suits Burnley and, and that, so they win enough games if you like and yeah. and you know he's very in terms of sort of that, that physical aspect and I always uh, I tell everybody it's long passes not long balls um, because there is a point there is a point to them um, there's a lot of elements and it's not just that you know, I mean when they get the opportunity they will look to try and press high um, and and when they get the ball they do look to use it you know effectively and efficiently instead of passing for the sake of passing I think that's fair, yeah, yeah. fair to say One of my favourite things about Dyche is that he speaks out about diving and I'm, I'm fully back <laughs> him on that I think it, I think it's important I, I re- it really drives me up the wall as a, as a long term football supporter just to see how easily people go down I think it's sometimes difficult to square that off with people like perhaps Ashley Barnes has got a, like a, <laughs> a, a, an interesting relationship with, with gravity from, from time to time but 
we don't want to be too controversial. In, uh, <laughs> Knew that was too into that. But um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, feel free to comment on that. But obviously, it looked like Ashley Barnes and and Chris Wood up top might might well be missing for Watford game. So, uh, how big an impact will that have? And and also the fact that you know those two boys out, but also the fact that Burnley playing Monday then Thursday, so with only two days in between. There will be a big miss, um, and to, you know Barnes and Wood, the the 2019, they had I think it was 30 league goals between them um, that they, they scored, which you know is very impressive. They, they will be big misses, but the, the fortunate thing for Burnley is the striker department is an area where they are strong. Um, they've got Jay Rodriguez and, and Matt Avidza who, who spent the majority of the the first half of the season sort of on the bench or in Vidra's case, sometimes not in the squad. But they offer different things, and you mentioned sort of the robust nature of, of Burnley. Um, Dice likes that physical side, you know, as long as and and Burnley, you know, want to use it in a fair in a fair manner and and have that and play with that edge, which is fine margins is something that Dice references a lot. That that physical edge can can give you those fine margins in, in games which are a bit sticky. I mean, Jay Rodriguez and, and Matt Edwards had come into really good form uh, just before lockdown uh, Vidra scored away at Southampton in a 2-1 win sort of kick-started his, his Burnley career if you like he was, was excellent the following week against against yeah. Bournemouth um, I mean and, Andy we've seen firsthand, obviously how how destructive Vidra can be his his pace is, is absolutely extraordinary and his finishing when he's when he's confident is is second to none he's, he's quite the player isn't he what, what's happened at Burnley how come it's taken so long for him to to light that blue touch paper is it because of of, of the success of Barnes and, and Wood and people like that, they used to struggle to get in, or has there been anything else that's that stopped him making an impact? Definitely, the, the the form of Barnes and Wood is is a huge factor because in you know for the large part of 2019, um, they were they were pretty much undroppable, and it was only with Ashley Barnes's injury at the start of this year where the chances have, have sort of come. It, when he was getting sort of opportunities into this season, he was coming on in games where. Burnley was sort of three nil down, and and the game was already gone, and you know the the, the sort of energy had sort of sapped out the game because it was sort of a bit of a foregone conclusion. Um, he did come off the bench early in the season against Brighton and and produced the assist for for Jeff Hendrick in a in the one one draw. He, he didn't really get the chance to show much, but with with the Wood injury and and even even the first half against Southampton, it took him a while to, to sort of bed in, and it's understandable because strikers you know are all about a lot of a lot of their players about rhythm. Sure. When he got that goal against against Southampton, the, the, the following thirty minutes was just it was a different player. Uh, the smile at the end of the game, I spoke to him afterwards, was you know it was just it was brilliant. I don't think he stopped smiling since. Um, <laughs> and then and but the, the Bournemouth game the week after was was where you saw Vidal at his best, using the pace to get him behind, confidence on the ball, being able to beat people. I and mean, you see for his goal, he's very calm and in itself he's been uh, in a couple of the behind closed doors games he scored a few goals as well in the build up to these nine games so he'll be open for, for some more chances and, and with the injuries you know you'd like to think he's going to get them Great that's all we need a, a firing Matty Vidra coming back to, to haunt us absolutely superb Andy <laughs> you, 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 obviously Burnley is your, is your focus but any anything you've picked up uh, uh, about Watford and where do you, where do you think the key, key battles will be in the, in the match at, at Burnley? Well, just thinking back to um, the the game at Vicarage Road, it was it was very tight, uh, and Watford were probably the better team, and, and Delafeu was 
was particularly bright on the day. And then Burnley sort of, Burnley scored and, and Watford sort of fell apart. And I've been impressed with them under, under Nigel Pearson. I think there's, there's a lot of structure there. Obviously the, the victory against Liverpool. I imagine if Merle Shah will be a huge factor in, in the game if he plays and, and, and the rest of the season. There's, there's the ingredients there for Watford to be able to stay up. And I am interested to, to see, because uh, Burnley have got to play five at the bottom six. So Burnley will play somewhat of a of part in, in that in that relegation battle. So um, I'm interested to see how it all it all plays out, and it, it should be an entertaining game. Burnley might, as you mentioned, the fitness the fitness element could affect Burnley. They probably won't make too many changes, but at the same time they'll they'll be confident that they can they can get three points, and and Watford will I'm sure come and, and try and get three points themselves. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. It's good to know that there are some faults necessarily in, in Burnley. They're not going to be a hundred percent at this point. They're still, even if Barnes and Woods can can be back for the Watford game, they're still not necessarily going to be up to full speed. You suspect, but if you are Nigel, when you're leaving this one-one at home to Leicester, going into the Burnley game, what is it you? What is it, Jason? We need to add, and what do you want him to be working on in the few days we've got? I think, I think it will be a very, very different game. I know with, with Burnley, we know the kind of uh, tactics that, that they adopt. They are very proud in Burnley of their Daesh anti-football, as they, as they call it, which is, which is a side doing what they need to do to, to get results. But I think there's probably a question around Welbeck's fitness still. Yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering if he'll still be eased back into, uh, into the side and perhaps we'll see a start for, uh, for Nacho. Um, and he might be up. It, it might be that his physical qualities might be more suited to, to Burnley than yeah. uh, more that sort of more defensive yeah. wide man that he is. Might be more, might be more suited to playing against Burnley than uh, certainly than Pereira will be. Yeah, because he was he was Pereira was needed to get to get back. And I think to give him his credit, he did his defensive duties all right. He got back when he was when he was supposed to. He does it. He went down in particularly amusing fashion on a, on a number of occasions we know what we're we're getting with him and it's just while we're on him he's, it's, there's been an announcement hasn't there this week that he's he's done an interview I think it was in Argentina that he's, he said he was going to look look to move on I don't think that comes as any surprise to us and I'm and I'm we, we had a brief chat about it on, on WhatsApp about how um, how we feel about his Watford career and I think I to be honest I feel quite Underwhelmed is probably a bit harsh because he's obviously a, a great player, and when we have seen flashes from him, and I think it's always a pleasure to see someone with, of his caliber play play for Watford. But he, I, for me, he just he hasn't done it anywhere near regularly enough for him to go down as a as a as a memorable player. I, I, I will remember others more fondly for more whole, wholehearted but less skillful efforts, if you like. And I'm looking at you, Jay. You've got a, a much better handle on. You know, the, on the shape and how football works these days, having played it much more recently than than John or I. Uh, how was your take on Pereira's Watford career? Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. It has been sort of fits and starts. I think he struggled because he had that injury, didn't he? Um, yeah, sort of, it was a bad one as well, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, and uh, and the timing of that as well, where Richarlison came onto the scene, yeah, yeah, um, and he was out for a long time, and that was a real struggle for him to then sort of get yeah. back in the side, and perhaps. Perhaps that showed him for perhaps where the weakness is mm. in Pereira, and that he needed to he needed to fight, he needed to battle his way back into the side. And if he couldn't stomach that against us, sort of this the, the new young Brazilian star, yeah. then 
you know, it's a, it's a shame, but perhaps perhaps he would have had a better to, a better career. Um, obviously, started or we went from Juventus, didn't we? Played in a Champions League final, so there's there's talent there. But what what why why did he not stay at that level? Why did he end up yeah. being a being yeah. a Watford player? Well, I mean, a Watford player, either one of only a few things. One, you're young, you're raw, and we're going to hopefully improve you. Two, yeah, there's something wrong with you. Either injury wise, mentally wise, physically wise, or mentally wise, where you weren't able to to crack it and to con- or maybe not crack it, but to continue at the highest level. And he sort of fits into into that one for me. I think you're right, Mike. I think if he had, he would have a couple of cracking goals in his Watford career. But I don't think he's necessarily had a dominant period where. No. We've been crying out, you've got to start Bobby P. It's almost like, of course you're going to start Bobby P, not you must start Bobby P. Yeah. But hopefully, Mike, he'll be the, a great player to have part of this squad in the last, now, only eight games. Yeah, I think he's proved he can play a part. I, I, I certainly don't want to say, right, he's leaving the club in whenever the season ends in eight games, so let's, he doesn't need to be a part of the squad. I think he was getting a lot of instruction as well from the sideline and the certain the substitutes bench with lots of Maxi Maxi come on this this that Maxi Maxi come on switch on they do feel like a, a team and a, and a squad what they do feel like they're pulling for each other they're working for each other and just to round off Burnley next what we want to see I just think if we can get Ismail Asar going it's such an obvious thing to, to to say but if we can get him in behind a couple of times early it changes the dynamic so much because it's in the back of their head it's like I used to play, I was a decent enough cricketer, and when you play someone who is express pace, like quicker than the normal, everyone notices. It's because batsmen, it's balls moving around, you're, you're going to get a hit, you're going to get out, you're going to struggle to get... And it, that filters back through the dressing room, through the pavilion, it's like next man in, and the, the guy comes out, shakes his head, Phew, haven't seen anyone that quick before, and... It gives you, it gives the other opposition something to worry about, and he is something to worry about. He is. There was the second half; it didn't come to anything. He just lolloped past Chilwell, just ran past him. Not in, didn't look like he was putting any extra effort in. It just like a little button in his heel went off and off into the distance. And if we start, if we get him in the game sooner, then that gives Burnley a lot to worry about. They will be their first home game in, in these weird circumstances. Um, so they'll have other other issues to to think about. They're in with a chance of getting into the into the Europa League, so they've definitely got stuff to to play for. They've got Manchester City up first. Will they be licking their wounds a little bit after that? Will they get a good result? Who knows? But it'll be their first home game. They'll be expected to to win that game. So I think if we can go up there and just start strong, ten first five ten minutes, show them that we're a threat. And that can change the dynamic a little bit. I don't think we did that enough against Leicester. Different, different kettle of fish. It will be a very different game, much more physical. We can we can expect at, at Burnley, and that's something that Ismail Assar will have to learn um, to either exploit better or deal with better. Because I think you watch Jamie Vardy when there's contact, he knows how to make how to win, make sure that he gets the foul. I think there was one where Kiko and, and him came yeah. together just over halfway line, and there was nothing in it, but he made it look like a, a foul. Which fine. Um, it's part of the game and Ismail Assar needs to be better at that because I think he gets quite rough treatment and if, if, he, if he's better at drawing that foul better at making sure the ref knows he's being fouled then again that, that ramps up the pressure I'm putting a lot of pressure on his shoulders but well, I do the question I do really is, 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 is can he stay with, can, can he perform 
on a slightly warm summer night <laughs> at Turf Moor. Probably, yeah. I reckon it'll be all right. It's a good job we're not going, isn't it? Because the uh, cricket club next door serving up that ale that's in a, on a balmy, uh, balmy summer's <laughs> evening at six o'clock. It would be... Uh, that could be a lengthy hangover, couldn't it? I think he's, he's going to be key for us. And I just think if we can set the tone, get going early, because Burnley can snuff you out. They can stifle you. They can make the 90 minutes or yeah, 100 minutes if it's, if it's Burnley. Um, deeply unpleasant and deeply difficult, as is there. You know, that's completely fine. That's, that's the way they do it. It's up to us. And we say this when we've come up against teams like this before. For this, ever since we've come up to the Premier League, we know what the challenge is going to be can this squad step up and, and deal with it and all of a sudden there's eight after that there'll be seven so we haven't got much room for manoeuvre here um, Burnley is an opportunity to do something a point there I think would be would be absolutely magnificent a win fabulous but not not losing that game would be would be great but I think an, a good firm early start is is key up there we'll be back for another podcast after the game because our plan is these last nine games the the morning after a game uh, there'll be a podcast ready for your ears uh, and for listening to us chat about whatever's happened for the glory hornet boys as we've pretty much done for the last 10 years uh, here at from the rookie thank you very much jason thank you thank you michael not a problem and thank you very much to andy for his time uh, in previewing the burnley game and thank you for listening and remember do tell your friends uh, that from the rookie is back well in fact we've never been anywhere during this lockdown but we're back chatting about watford because football's back we're back and Gosh, those nerves are certainly back. Come on, you on! Oh.